I got a rumor. You guys ready for a little uh, for a little hardware rumor? Totally. I bet Popey's not here because he knows and he doesn't want to get cornered on it. But uh, rumor has it that Yaomei, the you know the big uh, Chinese phone manufacturers, plan to release a Svelte laptop that runs Linux. Manufac- manufacturing sources speaking to the Chinese site uh, DigiTimes, which has, by the way. A horrible track record, just in my personal opinion, says that the company is developing a 15-inch notebook with partners, uh, Invitec, who also makes notebooks for HP, Acer, and Toshiba, and Foxconn, where the manufacturing happens for Apple's iPhones, iPads, and the PlayStation, and Xbox, and Nintendo. The Yame laptop will probably feature a high price performance ratio and the target retail price of around 470 U.S. greenbacks. Yame makes some good stuff. They're often known as an Apple ripoff. Are you familiar with their stuff, Wes? I've enviously looked at some of theirs. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a cheap Android phone that looks pretty. This would be running not Android. This would be running sure. Linux. Yes, which this, would be even better. Yeah, this would, this would be full on, and you wouldn't have to worry about installing Linux. Uh, I've never installed GNU slash Linux. Because it would come pre-installed with it. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, it could be a hoax, though. They have had, they have had a hoax in the past. But uh, I don't know. Anybody in the mumble room? You guys, would anybody check this out? If you had a sub $500, nice-looking laptop from Yao Mei. Now, it's not going to be like a Super Freedom Respecting. Probably going to be something that's more similar to a Chromebook. Anybody in the mobile room jumping on it? I might give it a thought. What distro is it going to be running? Well, the rumor is a custom version of Linux. Oh, yeah. it could mean a lot of things. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, they say uh, DigiTimes uh, is not always, as they point out on OMG Ubuntu, not always that reliable. I agree. I agree. But it, it, it could make sense. It could go into a nice lineup of uh, products. So actually... I could see it. I could see this really happening. You know, it, it doesn't seem like a big jump if you're making cell phones to go into a portable laptop market that maybe includes a data chip, a decent CPU. You can install, you know, maybe your own version of Linux on there. This could be kind of a neat thing. It's exciting kind of, to see a new hardware manufacturer, yeah. at least. Yeah. All, or, you know what? Here's a way. I got another tip for you. This is, this is your pro tip. You ready for this? I got pro tips. Uh, uh, actually, let me think about this. Maybe we should save this for the show because this is good. This is really good. Maybe we'll save it in the show. Now let's talk about it. Now let's talk about it right now. So, Such a tease. did you guys see? Did you guys see that the Linux Foundation is uh, giving away Chromebooks? The Linux Foundation is giving away Chromebooks when you sign up for some classes. So here I'm gonna here here's the detail. Uh, this is from uh, from our buddy over at IT World uh, Swamp Swampley. And how do you, how do you say his name? I met him at uh, LinuxCon. Nice guy. Nice guy. He took a selfie with his uh, huge Nexus Six. And uh, now he's using an iPhone 5S to test Android Wear. So Linux Foundation is giving away uh, Chromebooks when you enroll in a training course in the month of September. What do you think about this? The Linux Foundation giving away Chromebooks. Interesting. Well, that's a bummer. I've only just enrolled for a course in like the 30th of August. Well, (laughs) Wimpy, does it make you uncomfortable they're giving away Chromebooks or does that seem perfectly fine? Um, Well, I'm not surprised because... um, the course that I've enrolled for says that in order to do the course where you have to be running Chromium or Google Chrome. Oh, really? Ooh. Oh, yeah. really? Huh. I, at first, my first gut reaction was like I wasn't super comfortable because this doesn't feel like real Linux. But uh, here's, here's what made me sort of uh, change my tune. I feel a little bit better when I read this. Uh, Jim, uh, the, uh, Jim Zimlin, he's the executive director of the Linux Foundation. He said, we want students of Linux to experience a Linux desktop, and Chromebooks are a great way to do that, either through Google's Linux-based OS or by installing one of the mini Linux distros available. All right? Ooh. That's not bad. No. He says, we hope this offer can provide freedom, uh, f- the freedom Linux developers and IT professionals value and spark new ideas and discoveries as they embark on our Linux training program. So he's right there saying in the announcement that they're pretty much okay if you wipe Chrome OS off there and put any Linux distro on there. And that I'm all about. And by the way, they're not bad uh, Chromebooks. They look like they're these, uh, these uh, Dell Chromebooks that we've talked about in the past. Yeah, the, uh, don't, the Dell Chromebook 11. The 299 Chromebook features one uh, or uh, probably an 11.6-inch display, uh, 1.4 gigahertz processor, and 4 gigabytes, 4 gigabytes of RAM. So there you go. That's not a bad giveaway. No, and it could be pretty fun for people to get it to play with as they're learning Linux. Yeah, absolutely. That could be a great way for people to get their start, and it's not a big investment for them to... See, that's actually really clever, because if it's not a huge expense, then maybe you're not so worried about trying out and seeing how things go. And if things don't go well, well, it was a Chromebook you got for free. You don't mind if you erase your hard drive a couple times while you're installing it. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 108 for September 1st, 2015. (laughs) 
welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's learning how to dump its black tank. Ugh. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. <laughs> hey, Wes. Hey, guess what? Big show today, Wes. I, yeah, I know, I know. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, so I had, I had been, I've been pondering this question. I realized maybe I actually have the best group to possibly ask it to because I need to get an international perspective on this one. So we're going to bring in our virtual lug on one of our quandaries. Top law enforcement officials in the U.S. want backdoors into all types of encryption technology. This well, is something that's been they've been debating uh, since early in the year, and it's picking up a lot of steam. What would the ramifications be for open source, especially code that's developed outside the U.S., if the U.S. were to make this the land of the law? What responsibilities does open source have, distro makers and things like that? So I want to talk about that and just pontificate on the subject. Also, some details on the upcoming roadshow, Kubuntu's new look, and saying goodbye to an old friend. Plus, we have some really awesome Go-powered retro feedback coming up in today's episode. So since that's so much to get into, no more delaying is is allowed. I say we bring in that virtual lug. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Time appropriate. Hello. 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 Hello, guys. Good evening. Hello. It's good to it's good to have you all here. Yes. Good evening. Hello, all. So let's start with a little follow up. I I know uh, some of us may have seen that Kubuntu has a brand new look. They have a brand new look for a brand new well. For a brand new season, I guess. It's fall after all. It's becoming fall. And I, I want, Wes, your first takes on Kubuntu.org's brand new look. One of the big stories today going around. What do you think? Nice and clean? Yeah. Don't uh, like it? No, I like it. I think it represents Plasma 5 pretty well. Oh, yeah. It does actually front and center represent some really nice aspects of uh, the... I haven't used it too much, so the usability, that's a separate question. But it's at least visually appealing. Yeah, it really does kind of uh, highlight some of the nice things. Like here's uh, the productivity suite and uh, the multimedia playback. Good point. Yeah, it does draw a lot it of focus It does make me that. want to use Kubuntu. Kind of does, does, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it's right there. <laughs> it looks really nice. Now, now it's that you pretty, say that. but not in your face in like a yeah, in like a big Windows way. And like if you're wondering, like, how do I do media playback? They have a button right there that uh, would show you that. Uh, I've actually heard some grumbling about it, but when I look at it myself, um, I'm pretty impressed. I like how they've broken out long term. They also make it really clear here on which one is the uh, latest and stable release on their download page. And then uh, the uh, the page I haven't looked at yet is their community one. Oh yeah, there we go. They got a we- they got a web chat set up right here. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty nice. Anybody in the mumble room have any reactions to the new Kubuntu dot org? Uh, it's okay. It's um, like I'm on a full desktop, so I don't have Windows full screen all the time. So when it's not, you got the when your browser like half the screen, it's pretty much um, hamburger menu, and the icons are fairly large, even on the 1080p desktop. So I still think it needs some work. Chatroom thinks it should be KDE.org. <laughs> I kind of agree. This would be a great KDE.org site. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. It should help out. Well, I just props to those guys. It, it looks like a lot of work and effort went into that. Uh, if anybody else has any comments, go on once. Oh, did you just shrink it down and see what he's saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. They should work on their mobile design. But it does, it does work, though, when you shrink it down, at least. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. I can it, grab, it, grab the download right here. Yeah. Well, it does look like they just bought a theme. So, I mean, looks like they'll need some tweaking after that. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. All right, I I wanted to just note because we've been following this story in Unplugged now for a little while. Another death in uh, Flash is co- another nail in Flash's death coffin. Is that is that the right turn of phrase? Nail yes. in the coffin. Yep. Yeah, something like that. Something Flash like that. Flash is dying. That's important. Yeah, that is the important. That is the thing to pull from that. It's, and I think this is a big one because Chrome is going to block like those obnoxious uh, like flashing ads in the, one of the, in one of the next updates. This is huge for us Linux users because as this begins to finally die off. And then what I'm looking forward to is eventually somebody's going to have to come up with a, a really good solution for live streaming in HTML5. Hopefully this will put more pressure in that. Wimpy, are you skeptical? Well, it, it was just that uh, it was last week or the week before that there was this big brouhaha about Hulu. Not that I can use it, but Hulu mm. has switched to Flash. Is that right? So Hulu switched to Flash? What, what were they before? Did they switch or have they always been Flash? But they were, I saw a load oh, of Oh, oh from, uh, maybe from Silverlight or something, huh? Oh, maybe, okay. maybe. Yeah. Pardon their and then, huh. Yeah, and then uh, over here, mm-hmm. um, I've got um, Amazon Prime subscription. Sure, yeah, yeah. So prime i've now got access to prime music because that's just arrived a couple of weeks ago uh-huh. and prime instant video and the only way i can access those services on linux is with 
with Flash. So there's still some sort of premium content providers out there using Flash. So I'm wondering if we're heralded, heralding in Flash's death prematurely. <sighs> to me, it's like the slow end of a distribution, Amazon's right? We're, we're getting company, there, I think, eventually. Uh, I don't know about right now. I mean, yeah, you're right, Wimpy. I think it's 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 years off, isn't it? Because, uh, hmm, yeah, because Google itself distributes quite a bit of ads over Flash. I think Flash is going to end up dying the death of XP. <laughs> yeah, is that is that we in the, in the sense that like it gets relegated to like a whole bunch of people are still using it kind of thing, or what do you mean there? Yeah, like just it drags on forever before it actually gets you know put away. The same sort of things where you need XP for that one piece of hardware. Yeah, that the bu- yeah. business can't upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens to Flash. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I don't actually. Uh, no, I, I people, you guys are such a bunch of pessimists. I think this is actually starting to happen though, to a degree. You guys, everybody in the chat room is like, come on, no, come on. This is act when you have auto pause happening. You have I don't know. I think this is actually people are starting to finally turn the tide. I think this is really happening. Plus, I think at the same time this is happening. Where um, I think it's going to be a big deal. That well, maybe not. We'll see. But a lot of iOS devices starting in the fall are going to automatically start blocking ads. Oh, Safari yeah, right. on iOS 9 is coming with a built-in ad blocker. You combine that with the auto-pausing of Flash ads, and online advertising is about to take a big hit. I mean, display ads. Yeah, definitely. That'll be interesting. Do we know anything about how Google decides what the main content is versus the auxiliary? Well, yeah, a little bit. So, you know, what Google is doing is they're looking at uh, ads that loop fast. So if you have, like, oh. a very short video play of loop, 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 it'll, it'll count that after a certain amount, and then it will detect that and then pause it. Um, and you can go into advanced settings and select the content settings for privacy, and then you can deselect and say deselect and run important plugin content or something like that is the wording I I, I can't quite remember it but uh, yeah got it oh, oh here I think they specified actually here's the link I have it in the show notes um, here it is from Google and they have some of the details uh, and they also talk about how to uh, convert your uh, H, your uh, oh this is interesting this is okay so this here's the back end and this is going to work so starting on September first that's today most flash ads uploaded to AdWords that's Google's ad platform are automatically going to be converted to HTML5 to ensure your ads continue to show up on Google's display network. Very nice. So that's, so that's how Google's getting around the fact that so many of their ads are in Flash is they're converting them to HTML. I wonder, they must just be breaking them out and then, and then transcoding them if necessary. Yeah, that's kind of interesting technology. Yeah, yeah. And then they give uh, people instructions like, perhaps it's not perfect, though, because they say you need to identify flash ads in your content that aren't eligible for automatic conversion and then convert these and they give you steps to do that. Uh. Yeah, so, hmm, hmm. I think online advertising is about to, for display ads, is about to get a big shakeup. Yeah, what are they going to do about that? I, I don't know. That's a huge market. I think they ought to convert to podcast advertisers, personally. Oh, you're right. <laughs> that's what I think they should do. We'll consult, do. offer, yeah. suggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, uh, yes, apparently there are HTML5 to I mean, so Flash video, for the most part, is really just an H.264 video and sometimes an MP3 audio stream wrapped up in an FLV container. And then the Flash player is simply just playing it. Like our live stream right now is an H.264 stream and an MP3 audio stream that is then wrapped up in FLV and sent to the player. That just happens to be a very good container for delivering live content. If you have the technology, you could – like, for example, there is an open source tool out there called Livestreamer. And Livestreamer will break H.264 and the audio stream out of the FLV container. I'm probably butchering the real technicals of how this works, but this is layman understanding. It will break it out of the FLV container and then repackage it up for you and display it on your Linux box without any need for Flash. And so you could take something like the Livestreamer app and point it at the Jupyter Broadcasting backup stream on Ustream, and it will, pull, it will break the, the stream out of... It'll break the H64 video out and the MP3 video out and repackage it for you automatically right now. So it's obviously possible because really all Flash video is is H.264 video right. with a Flash container. So that's why it's, that's why it's not that hard, but it's... it's fascinating and this is on the the verge of we were just kind of talking about in the pre-show but there's a bunch of industry people coming together to hopefully work on a non-patent encumbered video codec don't i don't have my hopes up but it's happening at least we'll see yeah 
Uh, all right, so let's move on to something else. And uh, something that I've been thinking a lot about right now is mobile data, and I'm going to tell you why in a little bit coming up on the show. And so, of course, that gets me thinking about our friends over at Ting. I'd like you to think about them, too. Go to linux.ting.com and check them out. It's mobile that makes sense. Ting is on a mission to change up mobile. Uh, I say people follow Ting for a while. You've known that some of the things they've been pioneering have now been showing up in other ways in sort of a watered-down fashion in the industry. It's kind of... A little disappointing they can't ever quite get it right, but I guess that's kind of how it goes when you're an imitator. Ting is great because it's no contracts, no early termination fees, and you only pay for what you use. They just take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes, and they add them up. It's $6 for the line, and then it's just your usage on top of that. It's a really slick system, and in fact, if you go over to linux.ting.com, you're going to save $50 off your first Ting device or $50 in Ting service credit. We have a special promo for the month of September to give you $50 of service credit or off your first device. And so you think about that. You're only paying for what you use. Well, I, I, my first month of Ting service was less than $25. So you might be able to get a couple of months in there or do what I'm doing. I'm picking up the Ting Netgear Zing. At least I think this is the one I'm going to get my hands on. This is a nice Wi-Fi hotspot that connects to the Ting network, has a nice LCD, or I think it's OLED screen on it, touch screen, so you can see your signal, how many users you have connected, your battery life, and then you only pay for what you use. So once you buy this and it's unlocked, you own it, it's just $6 a month for the line, and then your data usage, and you can turn it on and off. And, and with a $50 service credit, well... I mean, you might be able to use this for a few months and not have to pay a dime, and there's no contract after you're done. It's just a $6 hotspot in your pocket. Go to uh, linux.ting.com. Get that discount. Also, check out their savings calculator. See why Ting is really, really great. They have a CDMA and GSM network, so I'm going to be using it. I'm going to actually, I'm hoping to end up with a CDMA and GSM Ting device, so that way, wherever the signal's the best, that's the one I'll use for broadcasting on the road. That's slick. I'm still looking into all of that still, but I think it's going to be really great. And if I ever have any troubles or if you ever have any troubles, Ting has no hold customer service. You can call them at one eight five five ting ftw anytime between 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. East Coast. And a real human answers the phone and they can actually solve your problems. And if you're a small business, definitely, definitely, definitely look into Ting because it is an un- incredible way to save money. Uh, essentially, this has been vi- verified by thir- a couple of third parties. If you have... Guaranteed, if you have between like 11 and 20 employees, you're probably going to save on Ting. It's almost guaranteed. It's, it's impossible not to, and it goes from there, too. It's Because it's $6. There's no early termination for you. You can move the phones around. It's easy to manage the lines. You can turn them on and off. You can add and remove devices with no penalties. It's so slick. And then all the features you'd expect, like hotspot and tethering and caller ID and all that stuff with no crazy, mysterious line items it, and, and a really easy-to-manage dashboard. Go to linux.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting. Go get that $50 credit or $50 off a Ting device. And they have, a, they have the whole range of devices, GSM and CDMA. Linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. You guys rock. That $50 promo is awesome. Wanted to do a little follow-up uh, from this Sunday's Linux Action Show. We talked about GoTTY, a way to share your, uh, your terminal as a web page. And uh, Halifax submitted his use of GoTTY after that episode of Linux Action Show. I thought that was so cool because uh, he said there's, there's you know, uh, a lot of different things you can use with GoTTY. See, I was delighted to see that you guys covered it in the last episode. I recently, just about a week ago, started experimenting with GoTTY as a bridge between my Telnet, SSH, BBS, and the web. And it's been pretty sweet. The author was very responsive on his GitHub page and walking me through a handful of issues I was having getting the font set up correctly. So he has connected his frickin' BBS to the web using GoTTY. And if you're watching the video version right now, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Look at that. That's amazing. That's awesome. That is, that is incredible. We have a link in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. But I love this. This is a super solid follow-up, I thought, to uh, look at that. So I'm going to type in, let's type in Chris LES. Chris LES. Or maybe I should put new in there. Create an account, yes. Okay, my username is going to be Chris LES. My origin is Jupiter. Uh, that seems like that should be good, right? Only logical. My email is Chris at JupiterBroadcasting.com. That's a secret. Don't tell anybody that, okay, Wes? And my password, hmm, I, better not, uh, I better not say what my password is. Super secret JB password. Yeah, it's super, super secret. Create account, yes. Create account. Boom. Now I, uh, I'm done. Now I'm in his BBS. Using, jeez, uh, this is a really nice system. Look at this. Here's, here's the bulletins. Here's rumors. Who's online? Who else is online right now? Let's take a look. Uh, just me. Just Wait. Chris LES. Yeah, I'm a little lonely. Hmm, that's too bad. This is slick, though. Oddnetwork.org slash BBS if anybody else wants to get online. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, so Spacebar, yeah. So everybody go, 
Go there we go. Now we got somebody else online. We got anonymous is logging in. Cool. And we're, we're rocking his BBS and look, it's moving around my screen because you know because I had because you had a CRT monitor back in BBS days, yeah. so you wouldn't want to burn in. So every time you refresh, <laughs> it's awesome, I guess. Or maybe it's I'm not sure why it's moving around, but that is really cool. That is that is really great. Thank you, Halifax, for submitting that uh, into the uh, subreddit. That is some awesome feedback. And uh, that going from Flash, that's a that's not Flash at all, right? So right. that's yeah, that's totally. a great that's such a great use of. Uh, of HTML5, I guess, is what you'd call it, I suppose. Okay, I wanted to talk about this story just because I've been trying to contemplate in my head, like, how exactly would open source deal if this actually happened? Um, so a couple of different really important people, James Comey, the director of the FBI, and Admiral Mike Rogers, the director of the NSA, um, um, are, uh, are both petitioning industry, the technology industry, specifically Silicon Valley and Congress as well, and they've remained adamant that companies need to install government-friendly backdoors into their encryption products. And uh, I've played some clips, uh, quite a few clips actually, on our Unfilter show about this. But this continues to be a, a trend that uh, legislators are actively considering because of the threat of terrorism. And they're worried that terrorists are using WhatsApp and whatnot to communicate. And so they want to have backdoors. And I, I could really care less if they work with Skype or WhatsApp to, or Instagram or Facebook to build in a backdoor. That almost seems like a given. But when I start thinking about what if it became a requirement, that if this is a communications piece, this is how the legislation is currently sort of being proposed. Communications enabling technology has to have backdoors. Well, there is a lot of things that fall under that category. A lot of open source products and projects fall under communications enabling technology. And so I'm, I, I don't really understand how if law is passed in the U.S. that mandates this, but software is created outside the U.S. by open source developers, how do we reconcile that difference? And uh, does that software have to comply with U.S. law to be used in the U.S.? Wes, do you have any thoughts on, insights on this? I don't know, but it sounds very negative for, I mean, we've seen how much open source is important to business interests these days. Sure. And... Already you see, you know, some programs developed outside of the U.S. OpenBSD comes to mind almost explicitly because they don't want things like this meddling with software. So I don't think it would be in our interest to have this policy. Yeah, I, I agree. And, of course, uh, building in backdoors by design is not necessarily... Right, as we've seen all Import that. restrictions, exactly. I wonder if this would come across as import restrictions. Does anybody in the mumble room have any thoughts as, uh, as we start to talk about this? I, My first thought is no, this should not exist in any way, shape, or form in the entire world because it's just going to compromise everybody in the end. Yeah, building in, basically making the product insecure by design. My biggest beef on this one from an economic standpoint is don't they realize that this is going to kill U.S. businesses? Yeah, exactly. I also wonder how they think, I mean, it depends on if it's at the service level, but... If the NSA can use a backdoor into something, I wonder why they're so, you know, if they're arrogant enough to think that the Chinese intelligence service wouldn't be able to find such a backdoor. You Absolutely. Know, or any of our Absolutely. Enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as we've seen that, you know, uh, documentation and information can leak, secrets get stolen, uh, and source code can be stolen. And then once that gets out there, then, the, then that, any, anybody that's implemented that product is compromised. And that's a... That's a um, and and it, seems, it seems like extremely... Dang, it seems like an extremely slippery slope because... What I would worry about is it would force large, large companies that work with the government as contractors or the government itself to buy proprietary software and, and no longer be able to include an open source option because they don't have these mandated requirements. And they would just look at it as they are um, not up to whatever the spec requirements are. And they right. would just simply be disqualified on those grounds. And so they would have to go to vendors like Oracle and Microsoft and Apple or whoever – Cisco, whoever, instead of implementing an open source solution because those open open source solutions can't be guaranteed to have that. And they're not going to be bothered to patch it themselves or whatever because it's probably impractical. Right. They'll just get a bid from one of those companies and that'll be that. Yeah. Oh, that just makes me really uncomfortable when I think about it. And I, I was specifically uh, I was specifically like Wimpy outside the U.S. I'd be really curious what your thoughts are when we make changes like this and how it can mess with people outside the U.S. Any insight there? The UK is so in bed with the US that um, it's pretty much the same or similar legislation and uh, activities end up being uh, adopted over here. So, um, In fact, yeah, Cameron himself has been making a lot of rumblings about, about this very uh, same issue at the same time. Yes, he has. It's very interesting yeah, that both has. sides of, of the pond are talking about the same thing at the same time. There's obviously a push behind the scenes here for this. 
Uh, and I mean, not to say you're in fry conspiracy bacon in, in a Linux show, but it seems pretty obvious on the face of it that they're all, they're all talking about it at the same time. And it seems like we're surrounded. It really does. And, and in the case where open source might be our salvation as users, I feel like it could also that any companies that have to follow these standards and requirements, any private companies or any government um, um, departments, they can't use open source. It's just I don't like the way it's going. So it, the, good thing, the good thing is, is the battle isn't over yet, and there's actually a lot of agencies in the government that are, are also taking opposite stances. Uh, the, I think the FCC just published something actually today saying that uh, uh, solid uh, encryption is is fundamental to protecting U.S. commerce. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it, obviously there's a lot of different a- angles on this. If you are curious about this topic at all, it's something we've been following for for uh, since about April um, pretty pretty consistently in the Unfilter Show. And uh, you can check out some of our episodes on that. Um, I've played some clips. Uh, I think I – oh, I did actually in the show notes too. If you really actually are really concerned about this and I kind of would I, – I, li- I like to believe that some of you out there actually are even if, I've, even if it's just a fantasy. If not us, then. Yeah. Uh, I linked in the show notes a hearing back in – geez, where was it? I'm looking for it right now. It was a hearing back in April I think about, the, about this topic and about, about all of this. And it's a very long, boring C-SPAN capture. Um, but it covers the reasons why they want this and how they want it done, and it's they're really working on it. And I just I, I always I always curious when one when one major nation makes a big decision like that how it impacts Linux and open source. Maybe the audience has some insights on this too. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com and look for episode one hundred and eight. Uh, Raymond in there, Raman in the chat room in the chat room says, if it went through, wouldn't that mean that Fedora and Debian etc. would stop shipping security software as non-free on the same grounds as things like patent encumbered codecs? That's exactly what I was thinking too. Is it all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because Fedora projects and Debian projects isn't going to want to ship stuff that's compromised by design. Right. No, doesn't protect the user. Oh boy, see what a slippery slope this could be. This is something I've been thinking about, and I just don't, I don't quite have an answer to it. And maybe we're overthinking it. But I don't think so. I think it's something to think. Kitson, what, what are your thoughts? I think that the rest of the world is smarter. I don't think they'll go along with it. I mean, the U.S. can only go so far with, with bullying and with legislation before the rest of the world just says, stop it. You're only 5% of the population. You don't get to dictate what the rest of the 95% of the world does. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But a lot of the industry and influence is, is where, they, where they're making those decisions right now. So this is probably, from their point in time, the time to do it while well, they still have that position. Um, well, I don't know. This is, let's, let's move on. Let's, this kind of got us down, doesn't it? It's a I, little I'm depressing. I'm sorry. I don't want to be – I don't – yeah, I agree. It is, uh, it is very uh, – And the value of this is negative. No more with that. So no more with this. Let's actually move on to something I'm really crazy, super excited about. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the, uh, the roadshow that we're going to be doing here in, in just a little bit. Um, but first, uh, why don't we uh, pick it up? Let's pick up the pace. Let's talk about something that makes me excited. Let's talk about DigitalOcean. Let's talk about our friends at DigitalOcean just for a second because you could go over there and create something that makes you feel good. doesn't make me think about James Comey or uh, Admiral Rogers or whatever. It makes me think about creating Linux servers on demand because DigitalOcean is dedicated to offering the most simple and intuitive way for you to do that. And if you use the promo code DO Unplugged, you get a $10 credit. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. You get a machine with 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer for $5 a month. And if you use our promo code DO Unplugged, you get the $10 credit. Try that $5 rig for two months. It's pretty nice. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and a nice one. I mean, a really, they're all nice, but a really brand new one in Germany. And I say that because I drool. I drool at the pictures they post online, and I love DigitalOcean's interface. It's simple, it's intuitive, and you can replicate it on a larger scale with their API. Go over to DigitalOcean and just play around with them a little bit. Create some machines, destroy some machines, update some software, feel like a boss, and use the promo code DOUnplugged. You can do it all for free. And while you're there, why not follow one of their great tutorials? They're posting new ones all the time. Like here's one that just went up, how to automate installing WordPress on Ubuntu 14.04 using Ansible. How to set up Apache Virtual Hosts on Ubuntu 14.04. Now that is, you know, every time you do it, you get better and better at it. But if you've only done it a couple of times, boy, this is a really great guy. First of all, uh, 14.04 LTS is a great machine to deploy Apache on. And this is super, super nice. It's all the steps you need, and it's, been, it's gone through by a technical editor. Look at this. I mean, I'm sorry, ArchWiki, but this is this. Is, They're quickly becoming like you know yeah. go-to place. For well, look at this. This is. I mean, operations. and you know what? The thing is, is this is just like scratching the surface. They have tons of them. 
So not only do they have all of these great tutorials, but they also have one-click deployment of many, many applications that you might want to install. Ghost, WordPress, Ruby on Rails, GitLab. I mean, the list goes on and on. In fact, there's way, way, way more now. So just use the promo code DUnplug, get a $10 credit. And, you know, speaking of the road trip, when I'm on the road, you know, you know I'm going to be using DigitalOcean to move stuff around, bounce our live signal off of it. DigitalOcean.com, you can get started right now, DO Unplugged. They also have CoreOS. You can go check that shenanigans out. It's a pretty cool system. They get updates right from the upstream distro. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code DO Unplugged. Big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. So I've been trying to come up with a name for the road show. So, Wes, you've been current on uh, the shows? I'm impressed. I just watched uh, the latest last this morning. Look at you! Uh, you doing your homework before That's you came right. up well, here. You know, you Wait, be so prepared. you were you, you weren't were you honeymooning or moving last week? I can't remember. It's, I get them all mixed up. Kind of both. Got back from my honeymoon, and uh, then I had to move out of my previous house. So, <laughs> so I'm finally back to a so little bit on, of normalcy. So hold on, you get married, then and then you and then you go on a honeymoon, and then you move like all like back to back to back. Oh yeah. Why didn't you, I mean I mean I'm not. I, why didn't you either schedule the move or the marriage? Further apart. Probably should have. There were some, uh, yeah. let's just say, operational constraints. Okay. I'm very familiar but with that. But it's done now. I'm, I'm going to be more stable. I understand. I'm very familiar with operational constraints. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's my world these days. So uh, this roadshow, uh, so I guess I don't have to fully update you. You're pretty current but on I'd what's like going to, on. I'd like to hear it from the okay. horses, Matt. Oh, well, part. all right. So, well, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll get everybody super up to date on where we're at. So right now I am planning to go uh, on the road. And this is all semi-lockdown, but also as anything that's production-oriented could change at the last minute. Uh, so I make that disclaimer. But right now, tentatively planning to get on the road September 19th and, uh, and, 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 and make the drive from uh, Everett, Washington to Grand Forks, North Dakota, taking U.S. 2. Noah tells me that we can leave from Everett, Washington and make it to his house without taking more than like four or five turns off of U.S. 2. Now, we're going to. But uh, wow. that's a pretty cool concept, so we're going to see if it's – we're going to – that was the basic core concept. We get there, and then we've committed to doing a last Cribs edition where I'm, I want to go through and tour Noah's house, maybe oh, put on his awesome. Google Glass and take some video of how he automates his house. See if I can find where he's snuck in some Windows or Macs Ooh. in the house. Ooh. Wouldn't that be something? Yes. <laughs> JD anyway. Scandal. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, – but the idea is the journey between Everett and Grand Forks, North Dakota um, – that itself is going to be content. We're going to be recording along the way. We're going to be trying to produce shows along the way, doing meetups along U.S. too, uh, between Everett and Grand Forks, and uh, starting in Spokane with Imacon and crew. If anybody wants to meet up at the Imacon, put the brewery in there again, if you would. Uh, the Roaming Penguin. Yeah, that's oh, that's a good name. Yeah, so we're kind of we're trying to come up with a name for the road trip. Because oh, I, oh, so I should back up. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Uh, so that was the core concept we started with. Months ago, I mean, months and months ago, when we had a goal on Patreon, and um, it, so we've been trying to figure out how to really do this in a way that's sustainable. And my initial thought was, in order to continue to do shows, so the shows can continue, I should rent an RV because it would be madness to buy an RV. Just crazy. That would be what the hell am I going to do with an RV? So I will rent an RV, and it turns out that's like. A lot of money. Like, I don't normally really sit there and budget and plan things out. It's not my style. But in this one particular case, like, uh, Noah was here, and we had, the, we had the whole crew here. We all we were going down. We broke down all the numbers, and we looked at it. And it was like, it's going to cost us over $6,000 just to rent an RV to do this road trip. Wow. Yeah. And so, because they also have to pay for, like, like, 38 cents a mile for gas and stuff like that. So it's very expensive. And uh, that was like, oh, I totally took the wind out of the sails. And then I started the search process just to see what it would cost to just get a, a lightweight trailer to, to pull with my truck that I have already. And uh, light. I looked at, like, teardrop units and because, uh, you know, I'm telling you, price range is low here because we don't have a lot to work with. And uh, I found a unit that uh, folks were selling because the owner was having some health issues. And he only taken it on three trips, he, uh, twice down to California, once to the Oregon coast. And they live here in Washington. And uh, so I go through. It's a 25-foot trailer, and it was just about right. You know, it's not quite like uh, like uh, like an Airstream or something like that, but it's still it's a it's a it's a fine trailer. And uh, the deal was all getting finalized, and I was about ready to like. I thought maybe we could even do a show out of it, but the gentleman that's selling to me had a heart attack last week. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's awful, and so it completely derailed the deal for a couple of days. Uh, but more we important things on their mind. I'm yes, sure. sure. So we managed, but things are picking back up this week. Uh, so that's good. So I managed to get a fantastic deal because they, they needed to get rid of this RV pretty bad. 
And so I got a fantastic deal on a trailer that uh, I'm going to load up on September 19th, ideally, and hit the road and then meet up with people along the way, do broadcasts, um, and uh, we'll see where I have connectivity and I don't. And uh, I'm going to take it over the uh, Stevens Pass. I've never uh, pulled a trailer over Stevens Pass. I don't have an engine brake. But uh, I'm going to take it over the pass. It should be fine. And, uh, yeah, and, and meet up with uh, people and I, uh, on the other side. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. And so uh, this uh, – so uh, Zericon34 had a couple ideas to name the road show because I'm trying to come up with a good name for this road show. So we're going to be doing you know, many of the shows from the road, including uh, Last and Unplugged. And so he wrote, says, Chris mentioned he was looking for a silly name for the new mobile studio in his RV. And he says, here was an idea for the show name, The Whole Enchilada Show. The Whole Enchilada Show. Uh, I don't know about that one. The other suggestions, uh, <laughs> the other suggestions came in, the mobile-oriented broadcast and Linux entertainment, which the acronym of that, for that would be mobile. That's pretty clever. That's pretty good. JB2 was, is, not, is also available. Uh, the the uh, Freebird, I like that. That's not bad, actually. Uh, the Freebird. The Roaming Penguin, uh, again, comes up. So anyways, uh, Mumbrum, if you guys have any ideas for what we should name the road trip, the Linux Action Show Roadshow, that's not bad. Chatroom's throwing Ooh. some at us right now. Shuttlepod 5. <laughs> I don't know why I like that, but I do. Uh, that's pretty good, too. Freebird's not bad. And it's a Jayco trailer, too, so it has birds on it already, and we could put a penguin on there. Ooh. Yeah. I, get the JB I like the Freebird. I'm going to write that one down. I'm writing that down. We've got a couple of votes for Freebird. That's not bad. He's actually writing it on paper, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. distressingly old school. Yeah. That's actually how I commit things to memory, I find, is if I actually write them down. Uh, so I'm, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this. We're going to try to power the broadcast from the rig using Linux. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try to actually make everything DC-powered, too, which should be an interesting challenge. So we'll have a couple of, a couple of Linux laptops. Um, probably one of them running NiceCast or IceCast or uh, whatever, but there's actually a program called But. I mean, there's a lot of different <laughs> ones we could use. Uh, that, well, I don't know. We're going to use something to s- send a signal back and Skype, and and then we're going to do local recording so that way the audio quality should be pretty good. So oh, it shouldn't nice. shouldn't be that bad unless there's a bunch of background noise or something like that. And uh, I wonder if uh, I wonder I, I, if, it, if this real stretch goal of mine would be to be actually able to broadcast while the rig is moving. Oh, that would be amazing. I don't know where that would be possible at. I have to make sure I have really good signal, but I think it would be amazing to do a show while the, mo- while the rig's actually going down the road. Live stream, you just quietly driving for <laughs> no, hours. No, I wouldn't be driving and doing a show at the same time. That's way too distracting. Uh, so if you would like to help out with our effort, um, I would more than appreciate that because uh, I'm, the, uh, the wish list is posted and the list is long. Right now, the big thing, the big thing that I, I'm really thinking I'm probably not going to be able to purchase, and so if somebody out there is in a position to be able to afford it, is the... Uh, Cell phone booster kit, which boosts all 4G LTE signals. Oh, really? From all the networks. That's you, impressive. You put a, an antenna up on a metal plate on top of the uh, trailer, and then it has a plate that it, it connects to inside the rig, and then it rebroadcasts all LTE signals. So some people in the reviews I've read say maybe if you have one bar, this thing will transform it into four bars. A- and I'm thinking that's the difference between doing a show and not doing a show. However, the problem is it's 380 bucks, and the installation is probably going to be another 400 bucks, which... Just paying for the installation alone is about all I can afford. Right. Plus, I'm getting other things installed on the, on the rig as well and getting some things removed. Uh, that would be one that it could make the difference between being able to do a show and not being able to do a show. And it's one that I don't think I can buy. So that would be high on my list if somebody could afford that. We have the wish list linked in the show notes. There's also other things on there like the, everything, like toilet paper. I mean, anything you can do to help would be greatly appreciated because tomorrow I'm taking the truck in and I'm getting it sort of ready you know, there's a lot of small things on your vehicle when you drive 5, 10 miles a day. You don't really care that it's out of alignment or the tires need rotation or that you're 1,500 miles over on your oil or that your mirror is shaking or that your e-brake hasn't worked for three years or that... The niceties, you know. <laughs> or that you've never had your coolant system flushed. You don't care about these things when you're just driving 5, 10 miles a day. But then when you're going to be towing a uh, 25-foot trailer 3,000 miles... Plus, then these are things you need to look into. So tomorrow I'm taking the truck in and getting all that work done on it, which pretty much soaks up pretty much any... All the free spending. Yeah. 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 So if anybody does want to help out, we have the wish link linked in the show notes. And as I go along, I'll be uh, posting videos and things like that, too. So hopefully it's going to be a ton of fun. And if something blows up in my face, I plan to record that, too. I'm not just going to repost the good stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, if I end up with a flat on the side of the road, I'm going to turn it into content. I am... Bound and determined <laughs> to make the best out of it. That's all you'll be doing while you wait for yeah. the tow truck. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. Uh, I'll have the mumble room with me. Or, Wes, potentially, you could be here in studio. And I could be, you know, you'd be here maybe jumping and getting them, pulling the mumble room in because the show's got to go on. I'd love to help. That'd be great. So, you, so uh, And then we'll still have somebody local in studio when I'm out on the road. 
Somebody says get AAA. That's probably not a bad idea there. I should look into the cost of AAA. Yeah, maybe you can do it for just a month or whatever. Yeah, like I wonder if they have like a, a limited thing. And I'm getting insurance too for the trailer. Like right. all these business things you have to do for a road trip. Anybody in the mum room have an RV? I'm screwed. I got nobody to get advice from. I'm all out on my own on this. I've been watching YouTube videos and reading how-tos, and I I think I actually might have made a good move not ending up with an Airstream. Maybe. I was reading about wireless signals and getting wireless in and out of... It looks like those Airstreams sometimes are a little difficult on that. And uh, also, also, uh, I'm I'm like pre-marking down like areas along US2 where I think I can might be able to get Wi-Fi if there's no <laughs> cellular signal. And I got an email from somebody who's like, "Hey Chris, why don't we meet up here? This is probably your last best place to get good internet in Montana." And I'm looking at the map, and it's like way, 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 way east, uh, or way west on Montana. So it's way early <laughs> in the trip, and I'm looking at it going, "You mean I don't have good internet for like the rest of Montana? I'm going to go big crazy. Space. I'm going to go crazy." So I might probably download those coverage maps before you leave. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't picture any Wi-Fi signal either coming out of there. So, yeah, there you go. I'm pretty excited. That's the latest. I'm trying to think if there's any other updates. So I'm going to be posting more videos to our patrons, too, that, uh, for people to check that out. But this will be an interesting challenge, a live mobile Linux-powered broadcast. I, I'm, I don't know. Has anybody else done that? I don't know of anyone. Is this the first? Is this the first? I don't know. That could be a first. You should probably just start calling it the first I think I'm until someone, call it first. someone says <laughs> That's right. Different. That's how it works on the internet, right? Uh, Stake your claim. Yeah, actually, that's what I was thinking. Token Rings is in the chat room. said it might do me some good to disconnect from time to time. Um, yeah, especially in the mountains and, uh, yeah, like a Glacier National Park and stuff. Yeah, I know, Darren. I know. So I'm not saying it's the first mobile roadshow. I'm saying I think it's the first Linux-powered, Linux-powered mobile roadshow. That's the important part. I think so. I think that's it's the first Linux-powered mobile roadshow. Oh, oh, and you know what? Speaking of the wish list, I almost moved on and completely forgot to mention this. The first item off the wish list uh, did arrive because I mentioned it on last on Sunday, and it came from Noah, and it is the Black Tank Empty Kit, which is the poop hose. So this is the poop hose I'll be using on the road trip to empty the... Piss and poo from the RV. And Noah got it from me off the wish list. Isn't that great? Aww. So uh, that was his special contribution right there to the road trip. No, I'm, that's not his only contribution. But he got me a nice 15-foot, uh, what is it, uh, RhinoFlex sewer Ooh. kit. RhinoFlex sewer kit. And uh, do you know why you want a clear uh, swivel connector right there? I do not. So that way when you flush out your black tank, you can see the water turn from brown to clear. Oh, so you know. You know it's clear. You know it's clean. I think this means you might not be welcome to use Noah's bathroom when you get there. <laughs> oh, that's, you think that's some subtle? Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is I liked it because this was Noah's real nice way of saying you're not welcome to stay at the house. As uh, he said yes. to me, he's like, you have all the facilities. He's like, hey, man, um, so would you just prefer that I just arrange a hotel for you? When you get here, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, and I was planning to stay in the RV. He's like, oh, okay. I think he was just trying to make sure I wasn't planning to stay in the house. Right. Like, you can come in and do the last cribs tour, but you can't stay in the house. That's what I. Well, Please I park a mile away yeah. from the property. Yeah, and give us a good 15 minutes notice before you come over. Yeah, we'll see. I and and then uh, if something really dramatically goes wrong, and like I don't, I can't do any, I can't get any connectivity. So like, like uh, I can't show up for unplugged or something like that. Noah's offered to stand in and do the broadcast from his studio oh, nice. using OBS and Linux and probably Skype to do uh, the shows. So he can stand in as an emergency host if for some reason on the road trip I'm completely unavailable, which means I'll allow myself also to just – if that happens, yeah, I'll just take the day off yep. and, and let Noah handle it, which is uh, – which I think will be really nice. And then like uh, for TechSnap, we're pre-recording because Alan's going to be traveling. Of course. So we're not even going to be doing TechSnap on the weeks that I'm going to be gone anyways. So that show's taken care of. So it's really a perfect time. It's just all working out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. But we could use your help if anybody does want to help us out. I'll have a link in the show notes. So uh, I have um, – I want to say goodbye to an old friend. Uh, maybe uh, – maybe, I don't know I don't know if uh, software has a, has a sex or a gender. But uh, <laughs> – pot, pot kettle uh, just suggested the uh, fecal matters of Chris Lass as uh, – as, uh, no, no, that is not a title suggestion. Okay, so we have an old friend to say goodbye to, somebody who's brought us through good times and bad times, somebody who's really brought us up. I'll tell you more about that here in just a second. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and check out Linux Academy. It's a great resource to learn more about anything around Linux and open source. They have – a great set of guides, comprehensive study guides you can pull down, scenario-based labs, 
They have instructor help available and nuggets to deep dive into singular topics. I love it. You've heard me talk about them before, but something new is happening at Linux Academy. They're hiring. They're looking for great new content creators who want to join a high-quality and fast-paced team. Long-term contract, part-time, potentially full-time for the right candidates. They have a few opportunities they're looking to fill with DevOps professionals and developers. They're looking for Linux and C++ development, Bash, Perl, and Python instructions. I'm sorry, instructors. They want instructors who are seeking to share their knowledge and have a passion for teaching others. If this is something that sort of pushes a button for you, I want you to consider getting paid for it by Linux Academy. They're looking also for big data and machine learning developers who would love to share their knowledge with a passionate community inside Linux Academy. I love, I love that our sponsors are coming to us and saying, we want to hire your audience because they're that great. This is, this is such an awesome trend. This is such a great way for these sponsorships to go. To, 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 in multiple cases now, our sponsors come and say, we'd like to hire from your audience. And this, is, this is such a great opportunity because you've, you've heard me talk about what a great company they are and why, why we work with them. And need, now you have a chance to join their team. Also, if you're not interested in video creation, they're also looking for certified professionals to help increase the practice exams database. The Linux Academy uh, is going to be paying between $1 to $25 for practice exam questions, depending on the quality, depth, and accuracy of the questions. So if you're interested, give them like your cover letter, your resume, and info about you. Uh, send it to career at linuxacademy.com. Career at linuxacademy.com. And if you want to go get a job over there, check them out. If you're interested in signing up for Linux Academy, learning more about Amazon Web Services or learning something like Python or Ruby on Rails or how to manage a Linux system properly, go to Linux Academy and get our special discount when you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. You get a 33% discount. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And career, no S, career at linuxacademy.com if you are interested in getting a job. I think it's so cool they're hiring from, That's from awesome. our audience. It's just because there's smart people out there. Smart people. I love you guys. All right. So let's talk about our old friend. You guys probably saw the news. Uh, Lilo is uh, going to uh, cease development on uh, December. Lilo comes to an end. The old Linux loader. The development of Lilo, Lilo as a classic bootloader was restarted in 2010. Lilo has some advantages because it's super simple and a lot of people liked it over Grub and Grub 2. But the developer says that because of limitations with ButterFS, GPT partition tables, and even RAID itself, he's kind of done. If someone wants to develop this further, he's willing to take submissions. I buy Lilo. What do you think, Wes? What's, uh, are you sad when things like this happen? You know, it definitely had its place in history. Um, personally, I've never relied on it, you know, between Grub and SysLinux. And now, you know, EFI does it itself. I actually think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we only need so many solutions. It's good to have more than one. Yeah, and this is the natural cycle of software. Something gets created, it's useful for a long time, something new comes along, and we make room for the for the new stuff. And this served its purpose so well, and because the code's open, it never goes fully away. Yeah, you want to use it for your own custom solution? Yeah. Go ahead. I actually think Lilo is a, a perfect example of how open source code started. It was created to solve a problem. People thought it was no longer useful. It was kind of put away. And then in 2010... They came back out and they said, actually, we can take this code that already exists and we can make it relevant again. And people, it got a whole new resurgence. And uh, I don't think you'd ever have seen that with a commercial product because you can't do it because no, of the license. Like, yeah. I actually think it's a great example of, of the open source life cycle. Um, I'm trying to think of other projects that I'm familiar with. In Mumble Room, if you guys have any suggestions of projects that have been really big and then just have sort of faded away over time. I mean, obviously, there's been distros like Mandrake and Mandriva. But individual projects... I was trying to think of besides Lilo that have been so important to us at one point and now have sort of faded away. Uh, Doom. <laughs> Doom, no, Corky, no, not Doom. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a, it's an interesting – it makes me appreciate the contribution that they do make while they're here and it kind of makes yeah. me realize not everything's going to last forever. And it is a lot of work to keep up with you know, changing file systems and – XMMS, not maybe XMMS. Yeah, you know some old, yeah. old, old X desktop applications. Sys Linux, Sys Linux, Open Office. I, don't, I think Open Office is still around for the most part. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting way to look at those kinds of kinds of projects in uh, uh, DOS. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I look at this too. The history of this thing, version twenty three came out in two thousand and ten. And then version 24 was released in, tw- in 2013. <laughs> so it was three years between major, major releases. So it's not like it was super rap- rapid. Uh, re- Rekaisa's Gnome 2. Star Office. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Star Office is, uh, yeah, still, SysLinux is still used broadly, yes. Uh, Star Office was, uh, was a big one. Mumble Room, do you guys have any uh, projects that have faded away that you used to 
No. Okay. Nobody's very talkative in there today. B-E-O-S. <laughs> yeah, B-O-S. I, I liked. Yeah. yeah. Don't even get me started on B-O-S. That, yeah, oh boy. Yeah, I, my B-O-S experience was really solid. I've talked about, we've talked about it before. We, we did uh, Heroku. Is that what replaced it? Is that what came along their open source uh, uh, haiku? No. Haiku, 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 haiku. Yeah, yeah. We did a haiku episode years ago. You guys remember that? Yeah. Haiku action show. That's what people call it, yeah. The Haiku Action Show. We didn't Beautiful. actually. We didn't. I don't think we. I don't think we actually named it that. But uh, yeah, at the Haiku is a pretty fun operating system to check out. You guys can check. It out. Anyways, Lilo coming to an end. You guys can see the announcement in the show in December. Maybe we'll throw a little party for it. I'll to, maybe maybe I'll give it a try before it goes away forever. <laughs> give, give it one Boot more up boot. a couple things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that, Wes. That's nice. Good way to send it out. We should do like a boy. That would be really interesting. It's just like a classic Linux distro that's old kernel that using really Lilo. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. System D, what? No, uh, no. Uh, hey, guys, if you have any, any projects, any submissions for that kind of thing, linuxactionshow.reddit.com, go find episode 108 and submit it there, or any stories or submissions for this year's show, you can go over there at linuxactionshow.reddit.com and submit that to us. I'd really like to hear your thoughts on the whole uh, NSA stuff, too. Kind of, you know, what's going on there with the, how would open source respond to that if backdoor encryption was, like, mandated, having backdoors in the It'd be interesting to hear from some people from other countries. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then also, uh, we, the, uh, the debate continues on over, uh, over at uh, the Linux Action Show, if Richard Stallman ever needs to have actually installed Linux. Uh, I've never installed GNU slash Linux. Uh, that debate continues to, to, rant, to uh, rage on, as well as the Kombutu site revamp. And a uh, thread about uh, diehard keystroke, keystroke launcher, folks. And I have a quick, uh, I have a quick uh, one that I'd like to throw to the audience, and he runs down, by the way, Gnome Do and Synapse and others. I, at some point, you know in, in GNOME 3, when you hit the uh, meta key or the super key or the Windows key, whatever you want to call it, it brings over the activities overview and then you can start searching immediately? I love that. Me too, Wes. That's pretty much how I use it as a launcher. Some po- sometime my main machine upstairs, I accidentally remapped that super key. <laughs> and I have no idea how to undo that. Like I cannot, I cannot use super key anymore. And I've, gone in, I've gone into GNOME settings and keyboard and shortcuts and I don't see anything wrong there. I just can't set it anymore. And it's driving me crazy. If anybody knows how to revert that back, like if there's some gconf file I can, I don't know what I could do. I, I miss being able to hit the meta key and, and launch my... Oh, that's confusing. Yeah, and because it's upstairs, I can't ever troubleshoot on air. Otherwise, I would try that a little bit. Go TTY and get the mumble room right on your machine. Yeah, yeah that's true, right? I, actually, I was thinking if, that, if I can't figure it out, I might just uh, switch over to one of these, uh, to one of these other ones that uh, were just linked in the subreddit. Uh, Cooper is one that looks like it's QT. You have GnomeDo, Synapse, Albert... Albert, how about that? Mutate? I'm going to look at that one, too. This is a really pretty solid lineup, including the built-in K-Runner, Unity, and Gnome Shell launchers. I'm looking at Mutate, though. Award-winning productivity application. Hmm. Okay. It's in the AUR. That, ma- that meets my requirements. Albert's looking good, though. Look at Albert, Wes. Look at this. Albert, an amazing desktop environment agnostic omni launcher. The backend will be written at the end of February. Oh, well, okay, it's after February. <laughs> so these launchers are super. Look, he's doing math in the Ooh, launcher. That is he's nice. doing Google searches in there. Huh. I think that's, I might be, Albert might be one to check out. That might be one to look at. I don't know. I see. It looks like it has, it looks like 27 yep. days ago it oh, was last pretty, touched. Pretty active. Looks like it's using QT5. So you need to have QT5 installed on your system. That's Albert. So he has. Uh, I'll link to this in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, he's gone through and uh, done a really good job. SB five six six three seven in the subreddit and really summarized the current state. Uh, like one of the things I like here is like he, when he's uh, separating out the different launchers, he mentions that Nomdu had his last released in January twenty second, twenty fourteen. Say yeah, yeah. So that's that is the issue with Nomdu is that it doesn't have a uh, a lot of active development. So he's done a really really superb job. In fact, that's. That is really great work. That he he took he spent some serious time writing this up. So I'll link to that if you guys are curious about this. And if you haven't tried it, have you ever tried to launch your Wes? Yeah, I used to use GNOME Do pretty heavily. Yeah, why'd you stop? I just launch everything from the terminal now. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, mostly. Really? Well I use fish like you do oh, for, yeah, for a yeah. lot of things on my home yeah. machine anyway. Yeah, and, and and what's your main desktop environment? Uh GNOME? No, what? I use awesome. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so they okay. have a, yeah, a that makes, yeah. shell type you awesome. You really use awesome? That's great. Oh, boy. Well, then we should have you do a segment on here one day, one week about why you use awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. And what did you switch from? What would you use before awesome? Uh, Gnome 3. How recently did you make this transition? Uh, it's been, I don't know, probably better part of a year. Really? Yeah. Really? And so you went from Gnome what? That would have been what? Gnome 312-ish timeline? 36, yeah, 312-ish timeline? I think 312, yeah. And you... 
and you went to Awesome. Yeah, and I still, I mean, I still love Gnome. Yeah. You know, I put yeah. it on Friends. You're computers. blowing my mind, though. I use Cinnamon at work, which is kind Not of that tiling window managers are so, so crazy. It's just, uh, for some reason, I pegged you as a Gnome 3 gun. I can't remember what we had said. Well, I do, I do really like it. I mean, yeah, yeah. For, you know, when I want to show off Linux and make it look really pretty. I feel violated I now. Play. I feel, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, everybody tells me I should try it. And we did do one episode on Awesome at one point, and it just... For me, it, and I wonder why if you don't feel it, feel, it feels for me like going back in time. You know, I do understand that from time to time. I do, you know, like, Integros has a beautifully configured GNOME 3 out of the yeah. box. So, like, yeah. I, I use that as my go-to live CD for a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate it. Or if I want to just, like, show off slick, shiny Linux. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, I just don't need... I prefer to mount things myself. And, you know, a lot of the little things where I have, yeah. I'd rather have my own setup for it already in and the arc s- way. Yeah, I, boy, that's... You crazy. You crazy. Yeah, we should. Okay, we should do an unplugged episode on tiling window managers. Anybody in the uh, mumble room on a tiling window manager? I3 is pretty great, too. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about trying, actually, was I3. No, I'm still playing with Plasma 5. Yeah, how's that been going? It's, uh, well, I'm on the beta 1 now, and it's it's getting there. It's getting better. So I'm hoping, looking forward to 1510, maybe even put it on my main desktop finally. Fascinating. Well, if you guys want to see us do a Tiling Window Manager episode in love, I'm not quite sure how. I think we would need people in the mumble room that are involved or that are running it. That's how I would like to do it, I think. Uh, I think an episode on introducing it and what it is and how people use it would be good. Yeah. Sounds like, okay, that sounds like that might be a good idea. I suppose I could try it. I just don't want to waste a week of productivity doing something I don't love. But if people, if we had a few people in the mumble room, because so, I mean, maybe it'd be okay, but if we had a few other people, maybe long timers, plus you'd be here. That might uh, that might be a decent. That could be a good segment. It could be uh, could be a good segment. All right, I had to. I wanted to answer one question before uh, we left the show today because we've talked on and off about running um, Linux on MacBooks on Unplugged. From we tried it with Angela's laptop, and some other folks went out and bought MacBooks and tried it. Well, Jose writes in with a question that I think a lot of you are probably going to run into if you have if you've ever tried Linux on a MacBook or you know anybody out there who is. And uh, he says, a year back, I wrote and asking for help getting Linux on my HP notebook. After a lot of research, I finally got Arch running flawlessly. However, I need some help again. About six, six months ago, I really wanted a new laptop, and I was looking at getting the Dell XPS 13, but my mother and girlfriend got me a MacBook Pro Retina uh, with, uh, with the Iris Pro Graphics uh, 2014 edition as a gift for finishing my PhD. Well, congratulations, Jose. He says, I won't lie. I really like the build quality. Or it's Josie. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, all, but not all that crazy about OS X, right? About a month ago, I installed Antigros, but I have two huge problems. Number one, the battery life drops from seven hours to three hours. And number two, the temperature on the laptop goes way up just by watching a simple video, and the fan goes crazy. I wonder if you guys have any ideas. I've tried to browse the ArchWiki, but it hasn't been all that helpful. I really like to run Linux full-time, but I can't solve these issues. If I can't solve these issues, I'm going back to OS X. So the first issue, uh, seven hours or three hours, I think partially might be which graphics card you're using. So if you're using, say, the built-in uh, uh, dedicated graphics versus the Iris graphics, that's going to use way more power. But the major problem you have, in my opinion, with Linux on MacBooks is that SMC controller. Are you familiar with this? Only broadly. Yeah, the SMC controller is really responsible for a lot of the thermal management and probably, I don't know, a lot of other regulative things towards power and whatnot in the MacBook. It's, custom, it's a custom Mac thing. There's no driver for Linux available. So the fans and temperature management are all done proactively under OS X. In fact, OS X even is aware of CPU load and GPU load and how that relates to potential heat increase and will preemptively increase the fans to cool the machine. And all of that is done in software inside the OS X operating system. And the reality is that what you get when you don't run OS X on a MacBook is you get essentially the hard limit thermal controls that keeps the hardware alive. So you get these weird swings from... Uh, low thermal management to extreme thermal management where the fans kick up. And he says, I'm watching a video and my fans go crazy. I, I don't have a great fix for this. And I'm wondering if people in the subreddit or in the mumble room or in the IRC do. But here's uh, – oh, look here. Uh, Zierra is saying there's a thermal daemon on GitHub you might be able to search for. Um, not specifically for Max. Thermal D is not specifically for Max. But uh, so, th- so, so thermal D, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't know about that specifically. But uh, what I do know – has worked, and it's a little hokey, and it does require that you have a little OS X install on the machine, an itsy-bitsy in OS X install, which I actually do recommend anyways because it's the only way you can do important UEFI and other firmware updates that would help protect you against things like Thunderstrike. 
Um, so I recommend you do keep a little OS 10 on there, despite the hard drive space that comes at a premium on those Mac SSDs. Um, if you boot into OS 10 before you boot into Linux, and don't shut off, but just reboot. Don't power the machine off, but just reboot. Boot into OS 10 first and install an app called SMC Fan Controller. Now, uh, SMC Fan Controller has been around for a really, really long time. And what it does is it controls statically the fans under OS 10. So you can go in there, and what you can do is build different fan controller profiles, medium, uh, high sound, low sound. And uh, if you're going to be gaming, you would set it to the higher profile. If you're not going to be gaming, you would set it to the lower profile. And if you're going to be watching videos, maybe you set it to a medium profile, and then you boot into Linux. Now, it's not ideal, but what it does is it sets a new baseline for the fan RPMs. So you could say, instead of having them spin at 800 RPM, you could have a baseline of 15 or 2,000 RPM, with the max about 6,000, where you actually start to hear them. So you could go in and say, set your baseline-level RPMs at 1,000 RPMs or 2,000 RPMs. It's slightly louder than it would be under OS X, just slightly, but... It can run much longer that way before it has to kick into the crazy thermal management. This is a really hokey workaround. There's got to be a better way to do this. But if you do have a mini OS X install, that's one way to do it. Uh, this is, uh, Nate says, uh, there's Mac Fan CTLD. I use it with Ubuntu GNOME and never have any problems. So check out Mac Fan CTLD. That could be another Very one. nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Thank you, Nate. Mac, CT- Mac Fan CTLD. I've not. I don't. I don't. I don't have any uh, any more MacBooks with Linux on them at the, at the moment. It so seems I like one of those things too, where it's so specific to you know the different models and versions. Yeah, too. it does change, right? And then Apple can you just get it just right, and then the next yeah. version. And then you go you buy a MacBook out. with one port, and it has completely right. different stuff. So, yeah, that's a rough way to go. But I know people like those MacBooks. We get a lot of emails about it. So, if somebody has some solid uh, solid links uh, like Nate there, I would love it if you'd uh, add it to episode one hundred and eight over at the subreddit Linux Action Show dot reddit dot com and then other people could uh, benefit from that as well so linux unplugged is live on tuesdays 2 p.m pacific and go to jblive.tv to join us we have the chat room there we also have the mumble room info so you can hang out in our virtual lug if you're not quite sure what 2 p.m pacific is i don't blame you because i realize now i'm gonna have to try to figure out time zones as i go across the u.s and i'm like ah crap what am i gonna do and then it was pointed out to me, Chris, just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. I Some too, smart guy already set that up. Yeah, I too will be using the calendar on the road trip. I will be feeling your pain, audience, so no judgment. Also, we love feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Choose unplugged from the dropdown and send in your emails, linuxaction.reddit.com. Wes, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. See you right back here next Tuesday. Now we both jbtitles.com. jbtitles.com. Let me grab this one second. Please Let's do, yes. yeah, there you go. All right. There we go. Uh, there. Hello. Comment on the possibility of unfiltered Colorado high note. <laughs> Am I going to be in Colorado? I don't think I'm going to be in Colorado. I'm taking US too. Uh, I don't think I'll be there. A high note from Colorado. Although, uh, Colorado could happen on the return trip. We're, we're going to break from US too on the, ro- on the return trip and uh, take in more of an indulgent route home. So it's always possible. Oh, that new Google logo. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Woo-wee. I kind of missed the serifs, honestly. Really? Backdoors for the Clueless. Do you have a, la- a list of planned stops on US2? No, Billy. I'm hoping people uh, want to do meetups and contact me. I need, I need meet- I can. If you do meetups, is there a way to do, like, meetup suggestions on meetup.com? I don't, I don't know. That's, that'd be I don't interesting. Ah, uh, Yeah. What tiling window manager should we force Chris to use for a week? I do remember that now that we do this. See, the results were I3 by 54%. So apparently we've discussed this. Yes, I do recall discussing this now. Oh, huh. uh, boy. See, I, I was uh, – I was. see, Matt, Matt, was, uh, Matt had my back on the anti – he was an anti-tiler too. So it was easier for me to avoid having to deal with the tiling issue on the show. However, now that you're here and you've got tiling preferences, now and now you got the mumble room. I got, look at this. I3, 80 votes. 54, I Look at this. Look at this. Out of 148 votes, this is no good. This is... 
I think you should wait till after the road trip. That way you don't get too many things going on. <laughs> That's probably a good point. Or maybe we do it on the road trip. Really change <laughs> everything up. Yeah, Same just time. yeah, just yeah, just like up, uphaul everything in my life. Why not? Backdoors for the clues isn't bad. The fecal matters of Chris last wow. Insecurity by design. Backdoor a complaint. Lilo bought a boom. Luxury furry road. Open source backdoors. Hmm. Smokey and the Penguin. That's not bad either. Man, these are some good ones. JBTitles.com. Mm. Whoa, whoa, dude, dude, you're getting shot by a machine gun. Watch out. You're getting shot by a machine gun. You better be careful. Ah. Keep the mumble room safe, everyone. Yeah. It, it, it kind of reminds me of how, like, the original Phil Zimmer uh, in, like, the 90s with PGP encryption, how that was, like, you can't export this encryption and stuff like that. And they were fighting for that back then. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Use Windows for a week? <laughs> I actually wouldn't do that. I, uh, that ooh. You have Yikes. some pride. It would just drive me crazy. The Fecal Matters of Chris Lass cannot be our title. I don't think that's a very good uh, title for Linux Unplugged. I don't really think that's... It's that. just not accurate. I mean, if that's what the episode was about... Yeah, I'm that's sure. true. I mean, I could, I could definitely do an episode about that. Trust me. Trust me. I was surprised nobody had any nice parting words in the mumble room to say about Lilo. You know, is solid. Must really be ready for death. Though. I guess it's just we've all moved on, yeah. right? We have all moved on. It is time. Uh, and jalapeno ale. Yeah, I do need to do that. You're right, Imacon. You're right. So, Imacon, I'm going to have a camera when we're at our meetup. So, uh, I should probably get this. I got to get this figured out. I need meetup on demand. So, so basically, I'll be I'll just be spawning meetups as I go. So, sign up at meetup.com/slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Spawning them, Wes. Spawning them. Coming out everywhere. Just, I'll just. A wash in meetups. I don't actually know if that's true or not because US2 has long spots where there's nobody around. We got to like share your location too, like a Where's Chris. Hmm. Like a beacon. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a JB Road beacon. Yeah. Huh. Get up at two in the morning, check where Chris is. I wonder how I would actually practically do that in a way that would actually be doable. I saw something that used open street maps and like you could set it up with your that phone. That would be amazing. Like, you could plot where you were going. If there's a way to do that and it doesn't cost a bunch of money. I'll see. I would totes do it. That'd be fun. Mumble room, you see too. Yeah, we'll find out, and then you can follow. You can follow me as I go, and then if I get stuck on the side of the road, you can alert somebody because I might be somewhere where there's no cell service. Because how is that going to work if it doesn't have cell service? Yeah, I assume there'll be some big holes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, car tracker thing. Hmm. Lilo was Chris two years ago. Jack. That's funny, Rikai. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, Lojack. <laughs> Chris last Lojack. 